Greetings and welcome back to the Eye on the Tigers podcast. It's been a while, but we are back. Uh, this is Dave Matter, stltoday.com, post-dispatch Mizzou beat writer. Joined by Ben Fredrickson, post-dispatch stltoday.com sports columnist. It is the uh, coaching search podcast, I guess we could call that. Uh, I'm, I'm back from Tampa. Ben is getting ready to go down to Florida for spring training. So we're, we're, uh, we're both in Missouri for now and got this uh, little coaching search going on at, at Missouri. Conzo uh, Martin is out. That's been well documented. I don't think we need to talk about that decision a whole lot. We covered it uh, pretty extensively over the weekend when the news first broke on Friday. And now we are going to see what Desiree Reed Francois and President Moon Choi can deliver one of several SEC schools now in the hunt for their next men's basketball coach. So there's some competition out there. Um, ben, how you doing? We've got a lot to discuss. We're going to talk about some candidates that we don't even know if they're real candidates, but that's <laughs> what it's talking season, as uh, Steve Spurrier would say. I'm doing great. I, I, my self-confidence is at an all-time high. I just cruised the message boards for the response on my uh, column about Travis Ford there you and go. the situation with him. Um, and, and how Missouri fans feel about him. Um, it didn't seem to be received well, which is fine, um, because I actually agree with people. I don't think Travis would be the way to go. But when you have a coach that is being talked about by people who could want him to be the coach, you could have some sway, you've got to address it. So we maybe talk a little, Travis, or people that might be a better fit this time for Missouri. But I'm good, man. It sure seems like, um, you know, I hate to say it, but, it sure seems like there is more interest in Mizzou's coaching searches at times than there are in Missouri's seasons. And, uh, and, and here we go again. Certainly the basketball side of things, followers have become conditioned to pretty regular coaching searches. Um, this has been a, uh, it's been a job where it's been hard to win. It's been hard to stick, uh, certainly, and win since the Tigers transitioned into the SEC. So who's going to be the person who changes that tide? What does that look like? Um, there's really kind of two schools of thought, right? You're going to go out and get a kind of a shark, uh, an SEC power who can come in with the name brand and the track record of competing in these waters where, you know, the SEC is pretty much open to whatever you have to do to win. I mean, look at how long Will Wade lasted at LSU. Look at Bruce Pearl just winning coach of the year and his track record. So you could go name brand, throw big money. If you can if you can come up with it and try to get somebody who can who can look good on paper against guys like Rick Barnes and John Calipari and Bruce Pearl and, and these coaches and we'll see who who Florida hires or if you don't do that then you better go get somebody who's younger exciting perhaps plays a style of basketball that is more appealing than Conzo Martin's defense oriented kind of slow sometimes uh, stagnant offense and someone who is just going to be you know, just barreling down the mountain day with this NIL movement and, and, and really kind of this new wave of getting and building players through the transfer portal. One, one thing I'll say about Zoe, and then we'll start, we can start talking names is I, I think the game changed on him a lot during yep. his time at Missouri. Um, you know, I think he was not, he was for name image likeness. That's one of the biggest misconceptions is that he didn't like the movement. He did, but he wasn't, he didn't see himself as the, the ringleader of the movement. <laughs> he kind of thought it was something his teams would benefit from. I think the way coaches have to do this now, we're seeing it with Eli Drinkwitz, you have to be out front. And whether, I don't know what the rules are, they change by the day, but you have to be the one leading the charge. They need someone who can do that for hoops because they're behind. 
and it is going to be an impact on the team. And I think, too, somebody who runs good offense, high-quality offense, good tempo, I think fans could be ready for a more offensive look from this team after the past five years. Yeah, for sure. I, I went back and just one more note on Conzo. I went back and listened and read about his introductory press conference at Missouri the other day, and I, obviously I was there and covered it, but I just kind of wanted to review it. And he talked about how his coaching idols growing up in East St. Louis were Jim Calhoun at UConn, Gene Cady at Purdue and, and Norm Stewart at Missouri. And he said, those guys were old school. And I guess you could say I'm old school too. And maybe to a fault with, with some parts of, of how his time at Missouri kind of de- developed, like you said, the game changed a lot on him. Um, and, you know, I don't, I don't want to say that he didn't evolve enough because he did offensively last year's team was pretty good offensively at times. And that was because of some things that he changed philosophically uh, after watching some, some ball in Europe and trying to, you know, change the way that he played on that side. But this year, everything just kind of imploded. And, and you know, we, we don't need to rehash all that. We've talked about it a lot about that transfer class and just how things. And he bet on guys and he missed. Yeah. But that's, you know, that's going to be a part of whoever's next is they, they got to have more hits than misses in that right. transfer portal. Right. When you, when you lose guys, the, the ones you have coming in have to exceed the production, um, you know, and, and sometimes right away too. You can't just, nobody's got patience to see if these transfers can work out. So, Whoever is next will face that challenge for sure. Um, well, here's what we we know, um, not very much, as far as who Missouri is really going to look at here. We can s- try to study uh, what Desiree has done in the past, her time at UNLV, but I don't, I don't read too much into some of those moves because that's a different kind of school, different, uh, different salaries, um, different conference. Obviously, you're looking at a different pool of candidates. Uh, we do know that she has hired uh, Eddie Fogler, who you know, former coach at multiple schools, who is who runs a, a search firm, and she has used him before. And we, you can look up and see that he's been connected with some pretty good hires over the years around the country. He was involved with Arkansas when they hired Eric Musselman. Uh, that was a, a obviously a really good hire. Uh, she used him when he when she made some basketball hires at UNLV. Um, so I don't know if that really gives us a whole lot of input. Um, but, you know, she has hired younger coaches in the past when she's gone for basketball hires. She hired T.J. Otzelberger at UNLV. And then when he left for Iowa State, hired Kevin Kruger, uh, another young coach, Lon Kruger's son. But I don't know if that's necessarily the play here. Uh, there's a lot of a lot of young kind of up-and-coming mid-major coaches out there, but those guys are also going to be on these lists for all these other SEC schools, I think for the most part, we're talking Florida, LSU, South Carolina. I think Mississippi State's going to have a change here eventually once they get eliminated from the NIT and then maybe even Ole Miss. Uh, Ole Miss might sit it out just knowing how many other schools are, uh, you know, in the market right now. But that's that's a lot of competition. So uh, we'll see. But let's just throw out some of these names. The one name that kind of sets up and he's separate from a lot of these mid-major guys. And this is somebody I wrote about. Uh, I, I was told that there was mutual interest, and this was back before Conza was even fired. Um, and this is not the first time there's been a little bit of interest, and that's Dana Altman out at Oregon. Uh, he's a guy that he has a wandering eye. We know that. He's been linked to other jobs in the past. I believe he even took the Arkansas job at one point and then uh, left after a day or he reneged on the contract or whatever, never did coach there. Um, he's 63. Got a good thing going at Oregon. They didn't make the tournament this year, but they've they've won Pac-12 championships. He's been to a Final Four. 
Um, I've since been told by someone who, did, who says they, and I, someone I trust, uh, spoke directly to him and said he's not leaving anywhere. And he, he instead suggested a couple of his former assistants that he thought would be good for this job. That doesn't, I don't know if that means anything, because um, if he, what he tells a friend may be a little bit different than what he actually tells a school. So right. um, and, until he comes out and says, no way, I, I think he could be a, a candidate, but you're going to have to pay him some money and you're going to have to pay him a uh, a little bit of a bio, but what do you think of Dane Altman as kind of a little bit the exception to the rest of these names that have popped up because he is older, more established, and a guy that probably, if he retired right now, he'd, he'd be a candidate for the uh, you know College Basketball Hall of Fame. I mean, yeah, I think Dana Altman is the guy that if he says yes, then this is a short podcast. Yeah, <laughs> you don't you don't pass up a chance to get a guy who is as consistent as much of a brand name, has the connections. Um, I mean he has a total pipeline there at Oregon with Nike and it wouldn't be right. the same at Mizzou, but it's a Nike school. You could certainly, you could certainly tap into that. And he has good assistants who recruit at a high level and do whatever they got to do to get players. So yeah, this would be the guy that if, if they can announce him at a press conference tomorrow, then I think pretty much everybody, whether they wanted to see Conzo go or not goes, okay, they're upgrading, right. They're, they're upgrading this, this team in terms of trying to punch bigger in the SEC, and then it becomes, all right, you know, how do they do that? Dana Altman is one of those names that when you look at the coaches that I just reeled off in the SEC now, and th remember, too, that Texas and Oklahoma are joining this thing. Yeah. Um, you know, which is going to – you don't have to love, you know, those schools' recent years in basketball, but Chris Beard's a pretty, pretty good coach, and Porter Moser is pretty good, and, and I think those teams are going to help this conference in terms of basketball much more than they hurt it. So Dan Altman is a name that you can throw to that mix and go, yeah, that's a, that's a heck of a hire. So that's, uh, I hate agreeing on everything, but, but I think that's probably the one name where if Mizzou can get Dana Altman, then, then you say, thank you very much. This search is over. Are there chances of getting Dana Altman realistic? I don't know. It, it, people don't see him leaving Oregon for Mizzou, but more importantly, if he wants to leave Oregon and that happens sometimes, sometimes you get, tired of a place sometimes you get uh you you don't feel appreciated we see that we see that happen but there's going to be so many other jobs open right now right. if I'm Dana Altman I might look around to see okay who has more resources where can I win faster if I'm going to leave and I might not leave he's got a pretty thing pretty good thing going in, in Oregon he was kind of on the hot seat there for a minute there was some off-court stuff going on and everybody was calling for his head he that was he, he overcame that and is yeah pretty much seems to have Teflon job security there so I don't know why he would leave, but if he wants to leave, then Missouri should jump in line and say, please, please pick us. Right, right. I mean, we. this is Missouri's fifth head coaching search in 16 years. That goes back to when they hired Mike Anderson. And I, it's fair to say Dane Alt would, would be by far the most accomplished coach that Missouri has hired. Um, I mean, frankly, he's more accomplished now than Norm Stewart was when Norm got the job. So he's and even he if it, most accomplished ever, So, which makes me think it it's very work. realistic. Even if it didn't work, you would go, well, we hired Dana Altman and it didn't work. Like no one would be like, oh my God, they blew it by hiring Dana Altman. No, you hire him, you hope it works. And it, it probably does because he's a really good coach and knows right. how to win in this, in this game. And he's got ties to the biggest, you know, talent uh, pipeline in Nike that, that there is since it, certainly since Adidas got shut down by the FBI. So right. yeah, that's, a, that's the easy one. I think all of these guys are underneath the list of that underneath the list of him. And that's where things get interesting. 
I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but we got to talk. Okay, so are we going to talk about the quote unquote the bad boys? Are we going to talk about you know the 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 FBI guys? Are we going to talk about Greg Marshall because you know the Sean Miller, Greg Marshall, um, you know those those guys, Rick Pitino, I would throw him in there. Yeah, I, I don't think Mizzou will go that way, but they also are not. They're not saying road closed sign down that. I call it you know rehab row they're they're not they're not turning people off of that speculation right they're not saying anything at all i mean desiree reed francois put out two quotes in a press release and then said i'll talk to you when i make the hire so right people are wondering hey sean miller could he is it worth taking the risk even though that penalty is still hanging over his head they're not going to do that i wouldn't think but what do you think yeah and i i think it's unfair to sean miller to lump him in the same category as greg marshall because all sean miller did was That's fair. break, break yeah. some ncaa rules and 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 convict some academic fraud. Marshall, you're right. And Marshall wasn't convicted <laughs> of anything, but he was accused of some pretty nasty stuff. The the things that he yeah. said to players uh, and coaches, racial slurs, physical altercations with students at Wichita State who weren't even uh, players on his team, and said some really nasty stuff. Those are again just allegations, but uh, he, you know, he did leave there and took took home a, a lot of money to leave there and. Uh, no one has hired him since. So I think that's, uh, I, I, I don't, I don't think he's hireable right now, unless you, a situation like when Art Bryles pops up for like these random jobs around the country and everybody he, remembers, then it gets so hot that he, has to, that he has to quit. <laughs> like that's what I see in Greg Marshall's future. Um, but there are a lot of division one schools out there. Somebody could take a chance on them. Um, Sean Miller is, I think uh, there's, there's more of a, a choice there. And I think the thing that would eliminate him from consideration. And I don't know this for a fact, but I, I floated it to somebody at Mizzou's administration. And they kind of laughed at the idea of it. And here's why it's not about the cheating. It's not about the hundred grand to Deandre Ayton. Uh, it's not about all these things that would now be sort of legal under NIL. His staff at Arizona falsified high school transcripts for recruits and got caught doing it. That's a huge level one violation. And Missouri, now some schools can overlook that. If South Carolina wants to look at him or, or Florida, that's, you know, I, I think that's plausible. But Missouri's has three teams, football, baseball, and softball, that just got off academic probation from the NCAA for the cheating scandal from way back in 2015. Missouri's not going to get in bed with somebody, and this is just my common sense, with somebody with that kind of academic, uh, you know, transgression on his record after this just happened at Missouri. So I, I don't say being realistic you're saying no Sean Miller because of Yolanda, Yolanda Kumar. Basically. Yeah. I mean, he's a, he's a winner. He's got, he had huge success, everything, but the final four when, when he was at Xavier in Arizona, he's a maniac. I mean, I've covered one of his games. I sat at one of his press conferences there, Arizona years ago in the Kim Anderson years. I mean, like I was sweating, just watching him sweat. Um, he's nuts. And, but he's a really good coach. He's, he was a great recruiter. We, we kind of know why now. Um, but I think he would be a guy that would probably embrace NIL and do a great job. I just don't think it's a fit at Missouri because of the academic stuff. And I don't, and also the, what happened to Will Wade on Saturday? Um, you know, he got fired, obviously LSU got hammered. And I think that's going to scare off some schools, some schools, not all schools with Sean Miller, because you don't want to, you know, absorb a situation like that that where that's where you're dealing with. I think, I think a lot of ADs, not all of them, but some, uh, when they consider a coach who has baggage, they think about the first question in the press conference and they think, this is what I'm going to be asked about the low point of this guy's career. And if it's something recent and something 
bad like NCAA stuff, academic stuff, uh, the, any of the Greg Marshall stuff, that's going to come up first and, and they're going to scratch that that guy off the list. So that's just my take on on the Sean Miller. And, uh, and again, Greg Marshall is a different whole different kind of can of worms. I think we can also cross, as I said, Travis Ford off that list. Yeah. Timing not right. He left Mizzou as a player. People hold that against him. He hasn't won enough deep enough at SLU. I will say this, though, some Mizzou fans who are like super anti-Travis Ford, if his if he was doing what he's doing at SLU at um, Rhode Island, they would be much more open to him Probably. as a candidate. The, the SLU, the SLU, Mizzou, whatever weird beef that that thing is, is affecting that some. But, you know, he's recruiting St. Louis well. And the reason I wrote about it and the reason that we're talking about it is because we know Dave, you've been told that there are AAU people in St. Louis pushing forward at Mizzou. There are also donors at Mizzou who would back Travis Ford. So this idea that everyone, no one at Mizzou wants Travis Ford. No one at Mizzou wants Travis Ford. Well, there are people who give a lot of money to the school who would want Travis Ford. Now, I'm not saying that means he should be the guy, and I'm not saying it means he is the guy, but I wanted to give him a chance to either shoot it down or 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 what? He basically stiff armed the whole thing. Talked to Chris May, the AD. He doesn't. He's not too worried about about this. And, and I, I think that's probably right. So I think we can put Ford probably off that list. We need to talk some of these like young up and coming guys. Um, and I want to talk assistants and if that's a good look too. But before yeah. we get there, I think we know probably both know. I don't want to say the bottom of this list. But we know there's a name on this list where Mizzou might take some swings, and then if, it, if they don't get them, they might say, okay, we can rally around this guy. He can unite donors, boosters, maybe unproven as a head coach still, but there would be energy in this hire. Former Mizzou player, Kim English, popular as a player, just debuted at George Mason, comes from the Rick Barnes coaching tree, was an assistant there, he helped get good players at Tennessee. Rick Barnes just lost one of his top assistants to East Carolina to be the head coach there. He's becoming a popular mentor of young up-and-coming coaches. Kimmy worked at Colorado, played in the NBA. He's got all these connections, and he wants to see Mizzou do well. Where do you think he is at this mix? He also has some donors at Mizzou, some people who give money to the university who would, who would like right. to support him. Right. I think as a general rule, and this has nothing to do with Kim, that Mizzou needs to get out of the business of hiring alums just because of the bad history recently with Kim Anderson and Barry Odom. Now that's unfair to Kim because he had nothing to do with those two guys. I just think it creates an unhealthy environment when things don't go great. Um, it they create this level of resentment on both ends and just ruins relationships and it makes things awkward when a true son comes home and, and doesn't work out. So that's the, that's the pessimistic view of it. I guess the optimistic view of, of it is, well, what if he does great? Then it's then it's the most wonderful thing ever. Then it's Pat Fitzgerald at Northwestern or Mike Gundy at Oklahoma State or, you know, name your alum who's done well at his alma mater. Um, so, but, but I don't think that should be the disqualifying factor that he did go to Missouri. I also don't think it needs to be the number one factor. Like if he was 14 and 16 in his first year as a head coach at George Mason, but he went to Iowa State, are we having this conversation about Kim? No. No way. So is is no where way. he went to school that important that should get him the job? No. no. I think the thing that the thing to argue in his favor is that this we've just talked about how the game has changed. And right. some of it is getting energy and, and, and basically let's just call it what it is it's money. Money right. to go get players through NIL. He could walk into a room and, and have a much better starting point sure. than some of these coaches. Now, 
that much better starting point than Dana Altman? <laughs> I, I don't, I don't know, but I think you do get to a point and I'm using my hands, although no one can see this. Like if you start going down your list and you get to a point like, okay, say for example, Darren DeVries at Drake, pretty good coach. I mean, he's gotten right. Drake to back-to-back Arch Madness finals. His son is a player could help the team if he transfers, but you know, he's a legit coach. He's from that, that Drake tree, which has produced guys like Nico Medved. I mean, good coaches. At what point do you get down your list where you're looking at a guy maybe from the Valley or a mid-major guy in Kim English because of the way college basketball works now and his connections and the people who would want to support him? Is he a, is he ahead of right. a guy who's kind of a non-starter name with Mizzou fans who might be in all intents right now, more accomplished as a coach, how far right. down the list do you go where Kim's connections move him above that person? That's, that would be the question I, w- I would be wondering is, okay, you're going to go take some swings on some more proven bigger names who've been coaching longer, but how far do you get down that list before he's climbing up it and passes some people because of the momentum he could create? Right. And that's the calculus here. You have to figure out. I mean, is his, is his recruiting upside, his popularity, does that overcome the fact that we don't really know much about him as a head coach yet? Uh, right. This is not like Eli Drinkwitz, who went 11 and one at Appalachian State. This is 14 and 16, one of the worst years they've had in a while. He he went out and got some transfers, and it just didn't work. And they had some bad losses. And let's be honest, the Atlantic 10 was not good this year, and they finished ninth. So part of me wonders if he would have been a better candidate for the Missouri job had he been coming straight out of Tennessee and done all the good things he did there under Rick Barnes as an, as an assistant and was less proven as a head coach because he didn't, ha- he didn't have a losing record yet. So, so I don't want to use the 14 and 60 too much against him. Um, he, he may have learned a whole lot in that year that will benefit him at a job at Missouri. Um, but we're also sort of, if, if he's the choice, are you making the statement that, well, track record really doesn't matter. It's about the potential. And, you know, that's where I think you get into, okay, well then what are we doing here? Like, what is, what is the, uh, what are we really looking for in this search? Um, well, I don't think they, just, really, I don't think they know that. <laughs> I don't think they do know. Um, so, you know, every candidate's going to be a little bit different. They're all going to have pluses yeah. and minuses. And a lot of this comes down to who wants the job. Who's going to, who's going to be right. impressed by Desiree Reed Francois and Moon Choi and the board of curators and all the other 14 people that are going to want to have to be involved in this process. Um, whatever donors want to be involved. And um, yeah, so it, so much rests on their interest in the job and, Right now, we don't know who would be really interested. I think we can say if Kim were offered the job, he would take it, unless they would try to give him the hometown discount and uh, <laughs> not pay him very much at all. Because uh, he, I think we can agree. We think he's going to have a bright future in coaching at the high major level. Uh, I wouldn't, you know, discount. I wouldn't take into consideration the 14 and 16 too much for his first year. There's some other coaches on this list that we could talk about, these mid-major guys, who in their first year weren't very good either. And they got much better, and now they're in the NCAA tournament. Todd Golden at San Francisco, Matt, Mc, Matt McCann at Murray State, um, Grant McCaslin at North Texas. They all didn't have instant success. Uh, so, yeah, there, there's some names out there. What do we think of them? I, I, think, I don't know enough about them personally to say they're going to be home run hires, but they're going to be in the mix for other jobs too. Right, and I, I just say if, if, if English gets an interview – Look out, because he'll he'll have he'll be impressive in that interview. Oh, sure. With those folks, I imagine. You mentioned the guys. I don't want to get into the Murray State's and San Francisco's. Those guys. First, what about an assistant? I mean, Baylor has in Tang um, one of the most accomplished assistants. Um, who can argue with what Baylor is doing? 
Right. Also a question of why is he still there? Why yeah. hasn't he left? He's like the, uh, the Brent Venables of, of college basketball. Oh, great comparison. Yeah. So what's, what's the deal here? Why? I, I, I think you could say this could be a guy who gets a job and everybody goes, Jesus, why didn't someone hire this guy years ago? Right. Or it could be a guy who gets a job and you go, Hey, yeah, you can see why he was never head coach. Why hasn't he left? Yeah. Great question. I, I've talked to someone, um, a couple people in the last couple of days, some administrators out in other conferences that know him, uh, one who has interviewed him and was really, really impressed. Uh, but he didn't get, didn't get that job. And I don't know, maybe he didn't want it. Um, another, another administrator who's worked with him before said he's, he's just been really, really picky. He has a really good situation with Scott Drew at Baylor. Uh, he's wanted to be a high major coach. He he's passed on some offers from the mid majors because he knew that as long as Baylor kept winning and he, him and his family were happy in Waco and it was a good situation that, um, you know, the, the good offer, the, the best offer would come eventually. And he was going to be patient enough to wait for it. So again, a guy that he's 55 and doesn't have much of a track record because he's just been for 19 years, he's been uh, Scott Drew's right-hand man. And they have really collected some talent down there. He's been, um, you know, a really prolific recruiter. Uh, say what you will about maybe Baylor, you know, cutting corners and recruiting over the years, but a lot of those things are legal now. So, uh, and that, you know, I don't know of any violations that have come under his watch. He's still coaching. He's been there 19 years and they won a national title last year. And now they're producing, you know, NBA lottery picks. So um, an unknown when he's never run his own program at this level, obviously, um, but he's, he's highly thought of around the country. And um, you know, he's, he's that next hot assistant coach even though we usually say that for a younger guy, like a Quinn Snyder back in, uh, back in Ooh. the day, but, but you know, Jerome is 55 years old. So he's, he's been waiting. Yeah. And, and I've, I've also say this, first of all, Quinn Snyder turned, Quinn Snyder was and is a really good basketball coach Now, college at the age that he got a head coaching job clearly wasn't the right fit for him, but look at what he's done in the NBA. There should not be an assistant bias against Tang because of what Mizzou had with Quinn that these are these are false people making those equivalencies they're false equivalencies yeah Quinn was 32 at the time yeah yeah I I do wonder you know you haven't it's you don't know how you're going to handle the big chair until you sit in I said the same thing about the Cardinals and Ollie Marble you just don't know um and we'll find you eventually we'll probably find out with Tang but it gives me pause that he hasn't made that jump yet that does give me a little bit of pause another thought on him and this was just shared with me by somebody who knows him is that kansas state is is open also and his name has surfaced as a candidate there but these baylor guys there's there's a thought that they don't want to coach in the big 12 as long as scott drew is at baylor still because they don't want to coach against them they don't want to recruit against them grant mccasland is another one he's the coach at north texas was a baylor assistant Um, so there's some thought that maybe those guys would prefer jobs outside of the big 12 Obviously, Missouri is outside of the Big 12, except for wrestling. Um, so maybe that gives you know Missouri a little advantage there if that's if that's true. Okay, let's hit the young guys who we're going to be watching in the tournament. We got you know I, I I have a little bit of pause about Murray State coach. Everybody who goes to Murray State wins. Yeah, and I hate holding that against the guy, but it's it's almost like the program as much as the coach. Like kind Arkansas of thing. State football. Yeah, right. You so in and look at how some of those coaches pan out after. Uh, after they leave, some of them work out, some of them not so much. San Francisco, not exactly the same thing, but but a little bit of, of that. Um, so I I, I kind of like McCaslin as much as anybody in that group. Yeah. What he's done at North Texas, um, you know, it's not a it's it's a place that has has done good things in the past, but it's not like they're just like a coach making school. Right. So I'm a, a little maybe more lean toward him than than, than Murray State. 
San Francisco, although we're going to get to see Murray State play San Francisco in the bracket. So I know a lot of Mizzou fans will be watching yeah. that game. Um, McCaslin is a guy that they really think he's going to be a star. Um, and he's not super young. He's in his 40s. Uh, but he is recruited well there, done well with transfers. Plays a pretty slow, methodical, kind of plotting style defense. Tough, yeah. I don't know if that's going to be super attractive. Sometimes you want to go hire the opposite of what didn't work for you. That's and why Golden he, is hot, right? And that's why Todd Golden is hot. But his team is really good defensively also. But Golden is a guy, the more I read about him, I'm really intrigued. 36 years old, uh, was a walk-on at St. Mary's, became a team captain there, went on scholarship, went out outside of basketball, worked in the private sector for a couple years, had the itch to play some more. He went overseas and played with a guy in, I think, Australia, a guy named Stephen Pearl. We know that name. I sat next to him for a game the other the other day in Tampa as he was scouting uh, for his dad. Uh, then there's a thing called he didn't, I, he didn't get to spray any champagne after uh, after uh, Auburn got knocked out of the SEC tournament in its first didn't. game. He wears some strong aftershave. I'll tell you that much. Um, so they go to play then in the uh, it, it, it's called the essentially called the Jewish Olympics. Every four years, uh, Jewish athletes from around the world play in this event the Maccabee games, I think it's called. And it's, it's in Israel. And Todd Golden played on that team with Stephen Pearl head coach was Bruce Pearl. This was 2009. Uh, I believe when Bruce was at Tennessee, did it over the summer. And he really liked this kid ends up hiring him as a, as a grad assistant at Auburn then, and then bumps him up to um, a p- assistant coach really likes him. And eventually then uh, Todd, parlayed that into the head coaching job at San Francisco. He inherited a pretty good situation. Kyle Smith was the head coach there now at Washington state. And he's, he's, if you want to talk about trying to find the guy most opposite of the last head coach, he's super into analytics. Like they have these theories and I've read about them. They, they have these intentional foul policies in the first half of games because they know the point per possession uh, probability going into halftime favors one team over the other. I mean, it's, doesn't it's not good talk for a podcast but he's got one of his three assistant coaches is in charge almost exclusively with analytics uh so you know he's close to silicon valley i guess so it's like the nerd ball or whatever you want to call it uh so a little different than what missouri's had here recently Uh, innovative modern style they're ken palm loves them because they're really efficient offensively and defensively and uh, they've been, you know, one of the better teams in the West Coast Conference and, you know, Gonzaga's league. They've had some good wins this year. So intriguing hire. Maybe the kind that would impress um, Desiree Reed francois She's from, obviously she's got to be familiar. Her family's, you know, out in the, the West Coast in, in uh, Northern California. So uh, you can read his assistant coach. And I, I found it the other day. He wrote his uh, he wrote his college thesis at Vassar College all about uh probability statistics and analytics and basketball. So um, that's the modern game for you. My question there would be, can a West coast guy come in and recruit good players to yeah. Missouri and the sec? Um, if he has NIL support perhaps, but that's that, that would be the question there. Well, um, he, he's got the Bruce Pearl recruiting handbook probably. So maybe that helps. Perhaps. perhaps. Maybe he could hire Steven as a, as an assistant <laughs> or an associate head coach. Um, no, that that's a legit name, and and there is he's going to be if they make a run of the tournament, there will be other teams, you know, uh, looking at him as well. So that's a that's a good one to mention. Dave, I wanted to kind of maybe end it, and I, I don't know why I'm taking over the podcast. I get excited. I think you're good. 
Is there one guy that we haven't talked about that if you're if Desiree Reed Francois calls you tomorrow and says, hey, you know, one call, you get one name to put on the list? Because I've got a guy um, that I would add that we I don't think we've talked much about or that we've written much about. Um, maybe he's ungettable, but maybe who could, a guy who maybe could be realistic. I mean, you're not going to say bring Coach K out of retirement. Is there one guy we haven't hit on who you would say this this guy should should be of interest to Mizzou? And could be realistic. Yeah, I, three days ago I would have said Mike White um, at Florida because he's he kind of he, he's in that situation where that seat is going to be hot next year if they don't win more. And he's a good coach, not a great coach. Made it to Elite Eight. My the one hang up I had with him, and this was granted he took the Georgia job, so this is not happening. Um, hang up with him is the White family is super close with Jim Sterk. Jim was like an uncle in that family, basically, if he would call uncle Jim and say, Hey, should I go take the Missouri job? Uh, he got, well, they fired me last year. So, uh, you know, here's, here's the culture. Here's the situation. Jim may not give a, a, a resounding, um, recommendation to go to Missouri. So that was probably unrealistic anyway. Jim um, would say talk to Nick Jost. Yeah, there you go. Um, so I don't know, um, <laughs> man, who is kind of a wild card. I mean, we could ask Frank Cusimano. He's got some ideas. Yeah, uh, Drew Hanlon. Uh, I don't think Drew Hanlon's going to be a – no offense to Drew Hanlon. He's clearly very awesome at what he does. But if he wants to be a SEC basketball coach, then I think he's going to have to start getting some head coaching yeah. experience. And I don't mean to knock his skills at all, but there's some crazy theories flying around up there. Beeline is one of them. He's pretty old, and he's told people close to him that he's retired. Some people don't believe that. But talk about how the game has changed – since Beeline got out of the college game, yeah, holy smokes, he would be in a different world, and he's a hell of a coach. But the guy yeah. I wonder about is, and maybe he's ungettable, is we haven't talked to him at all, is Greg McDermott. Yeah. He's at Creighton. It didn't work out for him at Ohio State. He rebounded. He, he won at in, in the Missouri Valley. It didn't work at, at Northern Iowa. He went to, um, you know, it didn't work out at Iowa State. He's back at Creighton, and he's just wins. All he does is win. He gets four, yeah. four-star players all the time. They're, they made the Sweet 16. They're in the Big East competing um, for championships. This is not small basketball. And he's and he's pulling players. He got that seven-footer out of, out of Trinity here in St. Louis that's on his team. Yeah. Um, they are they were kind of examined by the FBI stuff. I think they had an assistant who got clipped, but he kind of dodged it. His AD recently retired. If he wants to take another stab at Power 5 hoops at, at, at you know, the big time, then, then I would I would love to see see what it, what he what he would be interested. In. He doesn't make a ton of he doesn't make un, unbeatable money at Creighton. Now he yeah. might just want to stay there and coach out the rest of his career. And I would probably advise him to do that. But you know right. these guys are sometimes they want another shot. He can recruit. He wins. The program is is strong. They had all of their starters gone. Yeah. This season, and he went out and got transfers, and they won. I mean, he yeah. did what Conzo tried to do, and it worked at Creighton. So. I think McDermott is somebody, and maybe people just don't think he's going to leave, but but I would yeah. find out what it might take him to leave. Yeah, one name I thought of, and I, I mentioned this before we hit record and we kind of dissed it right away, but you never know. Um, what about Chris Holtman at Ohio State? They He won 25 games his first year, came from Butler, had instant success, um, always has won at least 20 games. Well, he's sitting at 19 right now. Uh, disappointing season for the Buckeyes. They got EJ Liddell and just didn't really capitalize on it. 
could he be in a Mike White situation where Ohio State's looking at him like, you know, you're kind of underachieving a little bit here. Really good offensive coach, always a, you know, usually a top 25 um, Ken Palm offensive team. So you'd have that. Good recruiter, get can get, you know, recruits at a national level. I would say, though, if you're a guy at Ohio State where you have all the resources in the world, even if it's a football school, and if you're not, you know, just kicking butt there, how are you expected to be better at Missouri? Um, so, yeah, that's a name that I think could maybe fall into that Mike White category, and not just at Missouri, but maybe anywhere, where he wants to get out before, you know, the pressure gets a little bit too high. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, and he can recruit well. I mean, Conzo probably still has his job if E.J. Liddell goes to Missouri. So um, it may be, maybe, uh, maybe he's looking over his shoulder a little bit. That's an interesting one. Well, I don't know that we left anybody off, Dave. And I yeah. guess if they hire somebody who's not on this list, then people can make fun of Steve Kerr, is he available? Or uh, yeah, <laughs> Maybe Brad Stevens, Popovich, Greg Popovich, yeah. Quinn yeah. Snyder, uh, to bring him back. Yeah, I, I can. I'm, I'm sure Quinn wants to come back to, to Missouri and recruit. Oh yeah, now that he doesn't have to. I'm sure he loves that idea. Um, you know, I don't know. I, I just uh, it's going to be fascinating. And they're going to have to, to get somebody who can either win right away or somebody who comes in with some momentum or else it's yeah. going to be an uphill, an uphill slog for Mizzou. So that's something they – I hate to be like the win the press conference guy, but, uh, you know, they, unless this is going to be a long-term rebuild and Missouri doesn't really seem interested in those these days, then they're going to need somebody who can find a way to come in and kind of hit the ground running. Yeah. Maybe somebody who can keep some of these players around, um, Anton Brookshire in the transfer portal. Um, you've got uh, Brazil, who's certainly going to be poached if or right. tried to be. Maybe, maybe, maybe he stays. Kobe Brown. Um, you've got uh, you've got players who, including you know the incoming uh, the incoming freshman who who might be might be you know slim pick might be picked off by other schools. So that's right. that's something that the new coach might want to come in right away and try to get some of those guys to stick around. So who will it be? We don't know. Um, we don't know. But uh, we're going to have it covered. Dave's got a heck of a list up at stltoday.com. We'll probably do – I would imagine we're going to do at least one more podcast on this search before it's over, yeah. Dave. Yeah, unless they surprise yeah. us and, and, and pull a Georgia and do something really fast. But that's not exactly Missouri style, so we'll see. Well, that's the other question. Maybe there's a podcast in that is who's making this hire and, and what all goes into it. Uh, everyone I've talked to at Mizzou, the, the term I keep hearing is a lot of cooks in the kitchen. Between yep. Moon Choi, the Chancellors, Desiree Reed, Francois, there are a lot of people who are making their opinion known during this process, and and that doesn't change. That can be matter good, it, yeah, it's always been that way, no matter who's in charge. Getting worse. The only constant is 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 us covering it. We're the only ones that don't change. <laughs> Presidents know, change, chancellors bad. change, coaches, ads change, boosters change, curators change. Every once in a while, same old, same old process though. You're a coach who has other options, and this is not Mizzou bashing, but if you're a coach who has other options, you do ask questions about, well, the last two basketball coaches you guys have hired have been fired by someone who didn't hire them. Right. And that is a high level of turnover. Um, and two others left on their own, including one who went to Tulsa. So Mizzou's got to be realistic. It doesn't mean they have to lower their expectations. Right. But uh, they, have to, they have to know what, what they are. Absolutely. And, you know, this is um, – a new AD. We don't, we don't really know how she's going to operate here. Uh, one thing we know is she's really locked the search down for the most part. I mean, there's people who are usually in the know on things that are on the planes usually for these things that are 
coming to me for information. So that tells you something. Maybe maybe they have learned their lesson. I think that's I think that's out of the Moon Choi playbook. I think that's part of why uh, Desiree is not talking uh, publicly at all in any capacity because that's how um, President Choi handled her search. Uh, he didn't want anybody talking. He he kept it uh, a pretty tight lid on things. Uh, so we'll see. Um, what everyone asked me what the timeline is. I, I don't know. I, I don't smart ADs don't, don't put a timeline out there because right. they don't want to paint themselves in a corner. Uh, but there's just yeah. so much out there as far as competition right now. It seems to, that list seems to grow by the day. So yeah. when will we do this again? We'll see. I bet we let's have another one next week for sure. Unless there's a Sounds coach, good. if there is a coach, then we'll have, we'll have a, a podcast to discuss that and uh, see whoever that is. And, and I would also just encourage folks to, to check out stltoday.com because we are providing updates, offering opinions, but some, some are liked, some are not. That's okay. It's part of the job. Um, but also, you know, just giving bios on some of these guys who could be considered. So it's good to um, and, and you're going to maybe be able to factor that into the bracket too as you watch these teams play, wondering if a coach is a candidate or not might uh, make watching the NCAA tournament a little more enjoyable so check that out at stltoday.com all right subscribe to the podcast leave us a comment uh we appreciate feedback god knows we get a lot of it um here and elsewhere so uh until next time i'm dave that was ben thanks for joining thanks for listening